Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 103. We're 103? Get, we're getting into the hundreds here, Vinny. We're starting our long journey to 200. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, and none of these episodes really matter to me until we hit 200. These are all sort of <laughs> the space between two pieces of bread. You know, well, like, you heard the man. <laughs> Wait, isn't the spaces between two pieces of bread the sandwich? Yeah, exactly. But the important thing <laughs> is the bread, as we both know. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, man. What a delightful episode it was with Wesley Verhoeven. Wesley Verhoeven, yes, uh, photographer, writer, right. director, director, and the brain behind the very cool and steam-gaining project, steam one gaining. of many. You're going to say steamy. I was like, I, I feel like it's pretty PG. <laughs> yeah, it, it, no, it's definitely wholesome in a way, uh, but one of many, a project that explores people in cities, creators in cities that are not San Francisco and New York, and all the ways they are enriching and diverse diversifying the art in their community super cool project and a super cool guy we talked about belonging yeah appropriately so i he's a he's a dude who who has kind of cultivated communities exposed communities uh created new connections among people and and man his message was so on point spoiler alert but it was really just that uh that you're not alone and that there are a lot of people doing the things maybe you want to do and we're all in it together. It was it was such a treat to hear that from him. Oh, it absolutely was. Such an insightful guy and he had earnest words to say about community and art and, you know, belonging to the places that you call home. Yeah, yeah. Hell of a storyteller. Um, and we'll show notes a bunch of his stuff, which I would actually recommend checking out before the episode. I think it gives it some really... Uh, added context, and uh, I, th- I actually think that his one of many project was supported by our sponsor today, which I think uh, goes a long way, in, at least to us, in uh, in showing how cool this sponsor and how cool this company is. And that company is Squarespace, which we currently use for our website, which is 10khrs.co. That's 10khrs.co. We built that on Squarespace. Man, we're coming up on two and a half maybe a little bit more than two and a half years and we've been running on it since and it's what a, what a great home for us it's been what a great platform uh, that's evolved since and continues to evolve uh, really really remarkable customer service whenever we have any issues 24 hours a day excellent 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 i cannot recommend it enough and i constantly do to people who are building portfolios who are building uh, even more in-depth sites, whether you know whether that's for a restaurant, uh, a project, a uh, brand, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, fantastic platform. Thank you to Squarespace. Truth of the matter is, yeah, at this point in the the lifespan of the internet and the capabilities offered by Squarespace, there's really nothing that acts as a barrier between you and a really A plus professional site yeah. through using Squarespace on your own and that's what makes it such a wonderful product and if you want to get uh, 10% off you can use our offer code uh, support the show support the platform and probably if you're signing up support yourself because it's uh, it's a really helpful tool but if you use our offer code 10,000 hours at checkout you're going to get 10% off and that's one one four zeros so that's one 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 zero 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 H O U R S. We do it all caps just because it like I think it it has a nice sort of uh, line height and and consistency to the letter height. It's nice that we can shout at our listeners even when they're not listening to us. Like oh. they can read our shouts. What a treat! <laughs> yeah, and and <laughs> I recommend shouting out the offer code. You might even get an additional. You know, five percent. I who knows? I haven't tried it, but try screaming ten thousand hours when you uh, check out and just see what happens. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you so much to Squarespace for your ongoing patronage of the show and for making a great product. Thank you so much to Wesley Verhova for joining us for this conversation, and thank you, listeners, as always, for listening. We hope that you enjoy episode one hundred. And three, belonging. I 
couldn't be more ready to go. Oh. Okay, I'll remember that in case you ever say that again, because this was the peak. <laughs> it's making me a little bit uncomfortable, guys. I know. I'm like, what it, how much have you prepared? I, I didn't practice at all. So, Mr. Vince? Is it Vince? Is that how you say it? It's, yeah, you're pronouncing it correctly. Is it Kochi or Kochi? It's Kochi, yeah. It's Kochi. Cool. Um, I, we've never really talked about the pronunciation of your name names before. <laughs> no, no. That's I think what they call in the podcasting community fertile, untapped ground. Yeah, I feel like, man, for the next hostful, we should really just dig into that ground. I'll bring the shovels, Ooh, sit yes. down, get a couple of mics, and just really dig Break into that. Break apart syllable by syllable. Oh, man. Doesn't that sound like a, a heck of an episode? Sounds riveting, Grant. <sighs> ah, well, I guess now that we got that out of the way, I could just ask you what uh, what you're putting your time into. What are you working on, Vince? Hey, thanks for asking, Grant. Uh, well, today, actually, at, at the office, I underwent day one of two of an all-day presentation training exercise. Okay. So was, Is this like presentations for clients or in Yeah, yeah, yeah like teaching you how to publicly speak and hand pitch. gestures and oh. pacing and all sorts of stuff. It becomes far too much to concentrate on and you spiral into a cycle of complete buffoonery. Uh, at least that's my personal experience. But uh, I am learning some stuff, so that's interesting. Okay. Otherwise, um, you know, just grinding at the office. I recently had a an article, sort of like an opinion piece oh, published yes. in The Egotist, which we'll, is really we'll fun. We'll show notes that. Hey, thanks. And uh, I'm working on my next one already. So. Oh, lovely. I That's think cool. uh, we spoke about that. I don't know if this was via text or if this was the last time I saw you, but I was like, Vince, when I read that, I thought, God damn it. Don't be selfish. You need to keep writing because you're such a good writer. You really. You told me that. You told yeah. me that at your at your show. Actually. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, cool. Yeah, Which yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, obviously, that came from the a place of love and respect because you are such a good writer. Hey, thank you, man. That, yeah. that means a lot. Panache is that? Am I using that right? You got a lot of panache. But you're, you flatter me too much, <laughs> so I will defer like a proper Midwesterner and say to you, Grant. What have you been working on lately? What you putting your time into, man? Well, I'm in that post-show life, which was kind of a really intense build-up, um, and now I'm I'm just dancing around in the aftermath. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> the aftermath, not the afterglow. The aftermath. <laughs> yeah, the aftermath. No, I would say there's some glow. It felt great. It was a, it was a good show from my perspective. Um, and I think actually the day, oh no, no, when this comes out, when this podcast comes out, my, my pot or my new website should be fully launched, which will be slash grant.com. That's very exciting, man. Yeah. 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 Super fun project. Uh, Ooh, with I actually haven't people. even really gotten a sneak peek at Ooh, it. All right. Maybe well. some really, really early screens, but I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Lovely. I'll send that over to you, Vince. You earned oh. it. So <laughs> thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, no doubt. Um, man. It feels nice. It feels nice, Grant, to have this kind of ritual and this conversation that we can rely on each and every week because there's kind of a sense of community and belonging that goes into uh, a, the same situation practiced in different ways. You're, you're so right. And it would not be a, a podcast or a segue, at least a 10,000 hours version, if we weren't uh, tipping our hand a little bit. And if we weren't ultimately congratulating ourselves on the segue. So, Vince, I got to say, that was fantastic. <laughs> Grant, thank you. I was hoping that my segue would prompt a discussion about the segue. That's really the only reason I do them. Yeah. Uh, and this, this is, a, this is a, a little section of the podcast we call the meta, the meta 10,000 hours. What do we call that? 10,000 seconds, where we, <laughs> where we congratulate ourselves on moving into the next section of the pod. You can subscribe to our newsletter about that. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But but without further spiraling into a meta discussion, I think we ought to introduce a very 
very cool individual who is taking his time to be on our show today. And one of the rare instances where I actually am the one that sort of set up this conversation, though it turns out inevitably that you already knew this individual uh, through internet connections. No doubt. But it just goes to show how noteworthy his work is, and it certainly is. He is a director and a photographer and the leader of a project called One of Many, Creatives and Their Cities, which is uh, a concept very near and dear to you, myself, and I think many creatives out there. Super interesting work, super interesting guy. His name I will butcher, so please bear with me. Wesley Verhova. Verhova. Oh, sorry, guys. I was just using Instagram stories. Uh, were you, you guys talking to me? <laughs> were, you, were you actually? Uh, yeah, I was, but I'm also joking. How are you finding it? Um, well, I so far, you know, I'm not a person that's a Snapchat user. I've been a, a long-time holdout of the Snapchat. And so this is kind of my first experience with, a, with basically Snapchat. And I kind of hate to say that I really like it. <laughs> Yeah, and that was a nice, that was kind of a nice false start there. I kind of hate to say that I love it. Right. So I think I'm going to enjoy using it. I, I use it a little bit today to show off the our beautiful co-working space friends. And then I just did a little bit of basically my computer in our conference room and you guys talking. Ooh. Uh, and I just said, shh, I'm going to be on a podcast. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Great caption. So, you know, that is uh, so far my experience, and I, I found it to be quite fun, actually. Lovely. I mean, oh. what are these platforms designed to do uh, but connect us, hopefully, and create, perhaps? Well, I think they're designed to uh, make a lot of money for Monetize. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that, look at the cynic already coming in. <laughs> so, allow me, Wesley, and hopefully we got your last name close enough to then yeah. parlay that into a question about, besides Instagram stories, what have you been working on lately? What are you putting your time into? Um, well, I, I was excited to hear that, was it, Gr yeah, Grant that has a brand new website that's about to be yeah. done because that's what I've been working on myself yeah. uh, for the past like month, uh, my first ever portfolio as a photographer. Cool. Um, I've never really had the, the, the necessity for it because I've just been kind of out and about grabbing stories and, and jobs and things that have been coming to me uh, very fortunately. But um, I'm ready to step it up a notch. And so I built with a lot of help from my friends, a portfolio that I literally just finished before I sat down to talk to you guys. Amazing. Well, good work, man. I think it's kind of an ongoing joke or met. I, I, I'm resistant to say the word meme, but I say it about everything, so yeah. it probably, probably holds true. But that, you know, the creatives, the, the thing we're worst at working on is our own self-promotion. So it, it's a bit of a Herculean effort to get your site up, and I bet it's going to be great. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm very excited about it. I also am very excited about something super nerdy, which is that a, lo a long time ago, I, w I managed to procure the domain wesley.co. Um, and that is the address of the new website. You know, Previously, it's always just been my first and last name.com, but my last name, as you guys just found, is quite hard to pronounce and spell. So, you know, running around an airport and meeting someone and being like, oh, yeah, just go to WesleyVerhoover.com. It's just not really going to work out that well. <laughs> so these days, or starting today, I guess, I can say just go to Wesley.co and people should be able to remember that. Excellent. We will show notes that and I am excited to check that out. What, is that, that launching really is. now or when is that launching? It went live five minutes ago and I haven't told a single soul about it. <laughs> is this a 10,000 hours exclusive? This is a 10,000 hours exclusive. Hell yeah. This is huge. <laughs> this is huge for us, man. I know. We don't get scoops very often. Well, here it is. What a treat. Of course, this one. episode won't go up for weeks, so it's, uh, <laughs> oh. yeah, it kind of is wasted on us. But thank you so much. I feel special, and especially special because you're taking the time to be on our program, and we know you're a busy guy. You've got a lot of cool projects that you're working on, not the least of which is one of many. 
Uh, and hopefully, I know we'll be able to dive into that in depth later on. Uh, but to kick things off, maybe we should talk about the topic at hand, Grant? No doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it seems, you know, as we uh, as we do, we look into the guest and sort of check out their projects, check out some of their, their works, whether that's writing, photography, anything. And something that really stood out to us was obviously this sense of community and this storytelling. Um, and And within that is this idea of belonging. Although... I don't know now if Wesley actually believes in these ideas. He seems pretty cynical. <laughs> no, I'm 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 a gentle-hearted man, but uh, sometimes when it comes to large corporations, yeah, social media, no doubt. You know. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm on board with you. I did, we just need a bit of polarity here, at least right. a small amount. I think that's why Vince and I work so well together because I sort of, I sort of despise him. Well, I, I can sense it's kind of a good cop, bad cop uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vince wait, is, wait, wait. Vince is kind of a jer- no, no, no. It's clear. Vince is sort of a jerk. I'm the <laughs> nice guy. <laughs> hey, hold on. Vince, Vince, Vince. Anyway, so we were talking about the topic of belonging. Yes. Do you have anything to say on the topic of belonging, Vince? I say that I'm I'm incredibly excited to hear Wesley's uh, approach to the topic and, and the discussion because his one of many project. Uh, tackles the idea of belonging in, in two kind of distinct ways, which I think is kind of the reason why we settled on it because it's going to be a multidimensional conversation or so we hope um, not only belonging to a very physical community uh, being an exploration of creatives who move to cities and incorporate those cities in their, in their work or react to those cities as an artist, but also the fact that we're all part of the greater community of artists and the greater context and how we fit into that. So Wesley, maybe since I've already talked about it so much, you could give us a little context of your own uh, and talk about what the one of many project is and, and your role in it. Sure. Yeah. Um, one of many uh, was a, supposed to be a little uh, side project for me. And uh, as it often goes, ended up kind of taking over my life. And it is a series of long form photo essays about creatives in different cities and and the communities that they live in. And it's specifically about cities that are not New York and San Francisco. Um, I started this project to explore the movement of creative people leaving New York and San Francisco or not even going there anymore uh, and instead settling or staying in Denver or Savannah or Charleston or or Seattle, etc. And um, with the changes economically speaking everything is getting increasingly expensive this is of course a known fact it's not a secret um people are finding belonging in in these other communities that have long been thought of as secondary and perhaps even inferior Uh, but in the last few years i think it's become more and more clear that they are they're neither one of those things i think that's where the most vibrant work is being created. That's where the most, you know, wonderful imagination is being released, especially for, for young creatives. Um, and I try to capture that and I capture that in, in both portraits and writing. And I publish one photo essay, uh, per city, which includes between 35 and 50 creatives of different kinds. I take it very broadly. It could be a woodworker. It could be a photographer. It could be a chef. It could be a designer. Even I've even had some uh, creative real estate people that have, with their work, provided homes for other creatives. Mm-hmm. So I try to capture those stories. They're all in long-form photo essays about their community. They're not individual stories. Um, another th- way that it's different from most other things that I've personally enjoyed out there is that um, I don't focus on the on the on the rock stars. I don't focus on the famous creatives. It's about the community, and most everyone in these essays are people that are very worthy of being known, but are very underexposed. Mm-hmm. There'll be a sprinkling of of a more well known person here and there, like the Portland essay uh, has Aaron Draplin in it, who's of course very well known and very talented. But for the most part, it has people that you may not have heard of. Uh, the Austin one has Austin. Uh, Keon, which you guys, I think you guys interviewed him as well. Um, so there are a few here and there, but it's really about the community and all the people that you 
should be paying attention to you haven't heard of and the communities that they live in. Very cool. I mean, not so far away from the mission of what we're doing, I think, on 10,000 Hours. Sort of yeah, I wanted to you. actually uh, complain about that. I felt you guys were kind of jacking my swag. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, well, it com- I wonder... <laughs> you avoiding Minneapolis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this was an inevitable conversation we, we sh- we're going to have. He, he managed... Wait, did you go to Portland, Maine as well? I did. You went to two Portlands and you skipped Minneapolis. <laughs> you hit Madison, you son of a bitch. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the little secret of, of why not Minneapolis and why Madison in this case. My plan was actually, well, actually to back up for a second, uh, I do this in, in, in seasons. Kind of like, I kind of like stole that from the podcast world. From so, us. Yeah, from you basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so the first season is 12 cities and... Um, those 12 do include, uh, does include uh, Madison and not Minneapolis. Originally, actually, it included Minneapolis, but because I was working with a very small budget and I also happened to have a wedding in Madison, yeah. I, ended up, I ended up switching it to Madison, which <laughs> turned out to be a very worthy and, and wonderful city with a wonderful community. But what I did do is I took Madison, uh, sorry, I took Minneapolis and I bumped it to the second season. Season two. Oh, all right, okay, baby. all is forgiven. And <laughs> we, if there's anything we can admire, it's efficiency. And as someone who's been to, to Madison many times, I can attest that it is a wonderful city and only growing in terms of creativity. So, and uh, if I hadn't gone there, then I might not be chatting with you guys since that's where I met and photographed Rachel, who was ah. a, a former guest of you guys'. Remarkable. And, and the circle is complete. Well, <laughs> I I want to interject and say that we're, or at least I am very uh-huh. impressed and, and gracious and thankful for what you're doing because it's it's in line with our philosophy as creatives. And we did a project earlier that kind of investigated that same thing. Yeah. It was called Creatives Go West. And there's this kind of dichotomy, right? Because the truth is good creativity and good art can come from anywhere, and in this interconnected sort of post-internet global world, it often does. At the same time, it's kind of unavoidable. It's objectively true that your environment shapes you as an artist. And the way that you interact with your community and your audience is very important for your art. So the conversation inevitably kind of becomes, well, why are there a lot of amazing artists in New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles? And why do people leave? And does leaving hurt you or does it free you? Or does it have really a whole lot less influence on the entire situation than we think? Right. Well, I mean, I think historically speaking, uh, people want to, wanted to and felt the need to come to cities like New York and San Francisco and, and L.A. to a certain extent as well uh, for certain industries to, uh, quote unquote, make it. Um, if you want to be a fashion photographer what would be kind of hard to pull off in Madison if you want to be in vogue and all that kind of stuff back in the day. Um, it would be very difficult for creative directors in New York to know about you because they'd literally have to meet you first or, or see your work elsewhere. And people just had to go to New York or, or in some cases, San Francisco, LA to, you know, to really make it in their field. And I think, as you said, with the interconnective of, of the, uh, of the internet and, uh, people's increased ease of discovery through the internet as well, um, it's become less necessary. And I think that's a great thing. I think it's only making it so that there's more communities of interest all around the country that are producing more and stronger and better work, especially because in those cities, unlike New York and San Francisco, you can actually... Uh, manage to focus on your craft and still make a living at least more easily than in New York. I, was, I spoke, my favorite example to bring up um, concerning the project is this young man that I spoke in, uh, in Denver. Um, he was, I think, 21 when I met him and he lived with his cousin in, in his guest room with a few other, like this was a house with a bunch of creatives and he moved there from South Dakota and and he spoke to me about the reasons that he did. So I was like, oh, you know, did you ever consider maybe moving to California or, to, or New York? And he said, well, to be honest, I didn't even consider it because what I want to do is I want to work with leather. I want to make I want to learn how to make wallets and, and bags and all that kind of stuff. And 
I knew that if I moved to New York, I would have to take, you know, let's say two server jobs at restaurants or bars and then maybe pick up uh, another brunch shift somewhere else. And then maybe Sunday evening, I could focus on learning my craft of the thing that I actually want to do because my rent is so high. And and there's also so much to do that I want to take advantage of, which also costs money in, in some cases. But now that I moved to Denver, my rent is $250. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been able to understudy with a few different people that do this kind of stuff and, and supplement my income by just working a little bit of a side job. And I've been able to throw myself fully into this craft. And, you know, and I spoke to him again a few months later, and I think he had only been in Denver for under a year at that point. And he already had uh, some of his leather phone cases in the local Apple store. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like a David and Goliath sort of idea. Right. Like smaller pond, much easier to, to grow there and even to be seen. And then from there, I feel like there's the, the idea of the hurdle, which so many people are focused on maximizing, increasing, scaling up. And the reality is uh, a lot of that scaling up comes with additional baggage, additional hours, additional whatever. And it requires you to make sacrifices that uh, you could actually avoid by just lowering the hurdle. And if we think of the hurdle you have to jump over every month, let's just say it's your monthly expenses. If you just reduce that, you can buy yourself a lot more time. Instead of trying to uh, increase the value of your time, you can just decrease the amount of money you need to spend. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things uh, that is at the core of why it's becoming more and more attractive to live in these other places. And, and I think that is going to be what makes all these other places more and more interesting. And, and people are clearly picking up on it. Uh, because there is a lot of writing about it now and a lot of people are being quote unquote discovered in other cities and, and, you know, Bon Appetit magazine, the food magazine calls Pittsburgh the best new food city. And, you know, the new, one of the, one of my favorite restaurants is Drifter's Wife. Uh, it's a wine bar and restaurant in Portland, Maine that I was just at a few days ago. And that's actually a great example too. The couple that runs that place is going to be featured in the Portland, Maine chapter in a few months. And they moved both from New York to Portland, Maine. They both worked at very renowned, great restaurants here, but they wanted to open their own spot. So they did. They, they, they started a wine store and then they opened a restaurant next to it called Drifter's Wife. And just today, they were included in Bon Appetit magazine as one of the top 10 best new restaurants in the country. You know, like that is very exciting. Okay. And those are two New Yorkers that found each other and love in that sense and, and moved to another place because they wanted to have a baby and build something cool for themselves rather than slave away in New York kitchens and restaurants. Mm. There's something cool too about the idea of, uh, I don't want to say putting a place on the map, but I think it's becoming more romantic. I even think of like a couple of episodes of Chef's Table. I think that seems like it's core to a lot of their, uh, a lot of these chefs' um, ideals and priorities is is like creating a name for the place they come from or keeping traditions alive. Absolutely. And it's just easier to, especially specifically speaking about restaurants, it's just so tough to start a restaurant in New York, San Francisco, because of the real estate, the average uh, lifespan um, of a, of a New York restaurant, a new New York restaurant is nine months. It's really difficult to make it work. It's there's so much, so many costs involved, and then you have to hit it right the first time because if people don't show up the first couple of weeks, then no one's going to show up ever. You know, that's kind of I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know, at nine months, that is crazy for the amount of effort and blood and sweat and tears and money that you have to pour into something like that. But in Portland, Maine, which is not that cheap of a place either, but it's significantly cheaper. They were able to first start a wine store. And then when they built up enough money and had a little bit of a name for themselves after one year, they were able to take over the, the space next to it and make that a, a restaurant because they had a little bit of a rep now and they made a little bit of money. So that's just so cool. you know. And, and that place is now considered one of the best restaurants to go eat. Which is so awesome. It's, it's the, the opposite of the hurdle, or at least related maybe, is the, it's like you can increase the length of your runway that, before you have to take off, quote unquote. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's also important to kind of, and maybe I'm going to come across as too devil's advocate which we don't really like to do, or at least I don't like to do. 
Um, but it should be said that there seems to be an equilibrium that can re- be reached because, for instance, you're not really going to Davenport, Iowa, or to Bismarck, North Dakota to talk to creatives there, right? You need at least some network, some base population for opportunity to arise. Or is that something that you wouldn't necessarily agree with me saying? No, I mean, to a certain extent, that's true. Like you have to have, if, if there's only eight people in your town, yeah, it's going to be a little tough to put, put your, each other on the map because the percentage of talented people is going to be the same as in a big city, which means there's going to probably be two talented people. So, yes, to a certain extent, I, I agree with you. But and, and clearly, if you look at the list of cities that I picked for the first season of one of many, uh, all of those, you know, are cities that people have heard of, at least, uh, even though, for example, Portland, Maine, only has 60,000 people. That's not that many. Um, and, but in the second season, uh, I'm actually going to, in addition to some more cities that you've heard of, uh, also dive into some of uh, some that you haven't heard of, some much smaller ones that have some interesting stuff, uh, you know, going on there. But in principle, I absolutely agree with you. There has to be somewhat of a community there to start something. Yeah, no doubt. And it's actually you know two of my two of my findings that I that I speak about when I when I speak at conferences about one of many uh, speak perfectly to this. I found that a, a city or a community needs two things to be able to stand out on a national level. Uh, and I've come up with these names myself, but the, the first thing is an anchor creative industry, meaning a specific sliver of creative industry that really stands out on a national level and from which all the other creative industries can pull themselves up by. Mm. Uh, for example, in Charleston, that would be food. Uh, that's a major, major food city, and they're nationally renowned for amazing award-winning restaurants. That also means people are paying attention to those restaurants. That also means if those restaurants are hiring local graphic designers for their logos and their websites, then those people will be in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. It also means that if they're working with uh, local video or, f- or photo people, that sliver of creativity will be picked up nationally. So if you have an anchor industry, it's a lot easier for the other creatives around you to also be brought up. And then the second thing, in addition to the anchor industry, is uh, anchor individuals, so organizers, if you will, people that are really community-oriented and that f- at just kind of have people cluster around them. So that could either be people that organize events like creative mornings that bring together creators of different kinds once a month to, to listen to a lecture and talk to each other. Or it could be someone like uh, Kate Bingham and Burt in Portland, Oregon, who is a graphic designer and an illustrator and a teacher at the local university. And she happens to be one of those people that just came up in every other conversation because she's touched so many lives because she's so generous yeah. and she's, she's also been, been a guest. Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So, yeah. so every other person that I spoke to in Portland when I was there for, for the project was like, and then I met Kate and she told me this thing and or she introduced me to this person or or she hired me or whatever whatever it is like it's just one of these people that brings up the community around them and it's not even i mean it's it's not unintentional but it's not even like she's doing it on purpose she just can't help it yeah you know she's just one of those people that is very generous and and is great with humans yeah so so, so again, it's two things. You need to have an anchor creative industry and you ha- need to have several anchor creatives mm-hmm. that are in some fashion um, empower the local community to think bigger and, and go and do stuff. Yeah, and they draw, the, they draw those connections between people. I think somebody like Kate just sees all of the overlapping interests and possibilities in people or in organizations and is just like driven to connect the people in ways that maybe they wouldn't otherwise. I mean, the same with some of these organizations like Creative Mornings. It's designed to bring people together. Very exciting. And I think, I think that's cool about your projects as well. I, I have to imagine uh, in the one of many project, uh, the people who are featured in it, you know, I'm sure a lot of them knew each other, but it had to have created new connections between people. 
Yeah, and, and that's been uh, perhaps my favorite part of the yes. whole thing, and I and I haven't really spoken about this much, but I'm I'm planning on doing that um, before I start the second season. This is a ten thousand hours exclusive. Another exclusive. Oh my goodness! <laughs> another scoop. <laughs> um, I've in some cities, in about half of the cities, I've done launch events for when the um, when the essays were published, and for those launch events, I was able to bring together almost everybody that was in that in that particular essay, uh, which, you know, is uh, sometimes 55 people of different kinds uh, within that town. And they certainly don't know each other, you know, for the most part, like they know their buddies, of course, but like a woodworker doesn't necessarily know the chef or, or, or an illustrator doesn't necessarily know the, the real estate guy, you know? So um, seeing, just being able to watch them all interact and, uh, and get excited about their own community and it stimulates hometown pride and you know all that kind of stuff is really exciting and I've had some really moving emails from different people who I hadn't met before um, just readers that live in these cities that, that either said um, you know I had no idea that there was so much going on in my city I, I, I've been able to reach out to some of these people and we're working on this project together I'm so excited about this thank you for you know connecting us in a way uh, I've even had people write me that they've moved to other cities after they it was put into their head by reading about it in one of the essays. Uh, people that were looking to move, but they weren't really sure where to move. And then they read about Charleston and they dug in to all these different people that I covered and they saw so much talent. And then they started digging further beyond the essay and like looking at those people's websites that I, of course, linked to and, and like kind of figuring things out. And then they visited and then they were like, Oh my goodness, we have to move here. You know, so that's like that's a very special feeling for me when when I get emails like that. Or actually, the latest one that I got was this week was a a lady who I forget where she lives right now, but her and her partner are moving to Austin, Texas soon, and for for her partner's job, and she's a creative. And she was worried because she hadn't really ever lived in Texas or, or, or gone that way much. And so she was just like, I don't know if I'm going to find my place there, blah, 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 blah. And she wrote me this lovely little email saying that she read the chapter over and over and like dug into all these people and made her feel less anxious and like more like there was a, a home for her there that she could Amazing. be a part of. Amazing. I mean, and that's, I think, uh, it's something we can relate to in, in the work we're doing and and is a uh, we're all sort of looking for a sense of belonging, and I think that's what drives a lot of these projects. Absolutely, I, it's so cool. I'm. Mean, it's, it's, I couldn't agree more. I mean, part of the, the the one of the most rewarding parts about being a creator is seeing the people that are in your community, in your in group, react positively or, or have their lives enriched somehow by the work that you're doing. Uh, it kind of gives you a "we're all in this together" type vibe yeah. and allows you to have a kind of a deeper level of pride in the work that you do because you know it not only helps you but it helps in a in a kind of a small but much larger way the creative bent of the entire city or community that you're a part of i hopefully this isn't being too needling but <laughs> want to talk to you wesley because you're coming to us from new york city the very right. place the big that apple you say to avoid <laughs> In your, oh, uh, no, I didn't say that you should avoid it. I said, <laughs> I said words it's, becoming, in his mouth. <laughs> it's becoming less necessary for people, to, for creative people to live here if they want to, quote unquote, make it. I think that is what I'm trying to say. Um, and it's, it doesn't, you know, of course, it's an amazing city. Uh, I've, I've lived here for the past 14 years. So if I didn't like it, that'd be a little weird. But I do think I do think that um, seeing a lot in that period of time, a lot of my friends move to other places uh, and visiting them there, and, and and being able to through this project kind of discover all these cities that I, for the most part, had never been to either. Um, the movement is real, man. It's real. It's happening. I think it's happening more and more. Um, I think the city of New York is not going to get any cheaper. And San Francisco, not at all either. So I see this as a lasting uh, movement within creative work and uh, life. Yeah. And I'm excited about that because I think that means we're going to see more diversity. Uh, I think that means we're going to see more 
opportunities for creative people to make a positive impact uh, and being able to focus on their work more and, and on what they truly love and care about. That doesn't mean no one should move to New York. By, by all means, it's a great place, but know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And, and in fact, maybe it even makes you uniquely capable of making this sort of commentary coming from one of the places that is experiencing kind of a, an exodus of creatives, if you will, or, or at least a, a mm-hmm. curtailed influx. Right. Uh, being able to do an outsider's perspective on these new creative cities is pretty powerful or as evidenced by your project. Yeah, and, it's, and I purposefully picked, for, for as far as I could, a few places I'd been to, like Austin and um, I think oh, New Orleans I'd been to. But most of the places in the, uh, in the first season are places that I'd never been to before, which was good because that meant I could really go into it fresh, not really knowing anything or anyone, and, and discover it like uh, my readers can. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So you, you talked about kind of in a, in a greater context what the cities had in common that were up and coming. Uh, very interesting points that spoke to the fact that it can happen to any city, but the cities that it does happen to have this in common. What about the creators that you've, that you've interviewed and talked to and spoke to and photographed? What kind of things did they have in common that were kind of true across the pantheon of locations? speaking to maybe the greater sense of belonging in the American community or international community of artists? Well, I mean, one of the things that's been very important to me has actually not so much been to show, well, let me start that sentence over. One thing that that I've been more focused on is to show um, the diversity of creatives, I think one of the th- one of the things that we s- we see in in media, especially, you know, if we can call it hipster media, um, which I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure some people would call this a hipster project, but um, if you look at most of the magazines and websites and Instagram accounts and whatever other things that the three of us and perhaps your listeners um, are familiar with, uh, I, I think we see a lot of white people. I think we see a lot of young people. Uh, I think we see a lot of beards and uh, that's great. You know, I have all of that (laughs) personally, but my focus with the project has been to show that it's much more than that. Yeah. You know, it it goes, the the people covered in this project go from, you know, I think 18 to 84. Uh, They go, they run the gamut in front as far as uh, gender, uh, sexual orientation, ethnic background, you know, family structure, all that kind of stuff. And that's actually been very important to me. So um, the project is called one of many because I want to, I want people to be able to see uh, if they're considering making that leap of becoming an independent creative uh, or a creative that works for a smaller company. I want them to see that there are people like them that have done it successfully, not famous people, uh, but just people that are making it work in another city. And whether you are uh, an older African-American lady or a young gay single dad or uh, a, a woman that grew up in the South, it doesn't really matter. I want everyone to be able to find one or more stories in there that makes them go, you know what? If they did it, I can do it too. Uh, I think too many stories about creatives and creativity are focused on the same kind of people and whether that means already very successful people or literally the same looking people. Um, And I think that's, you know, that's a little boring. And also it's not make, that doesn't make the impact that I want to make. I want to make people feel empowered and if they are already a creative, they know the lifestyle, they know that it's very exciting, but it can also be very lonely. So I want to show them, you're not alone. You are one of many. Look at all these people. There's almost 600 people now on this, on the website of all different kinds. You're not alone. You're a part of a movement. You're doing something that's meaningful and that's impactful. And if you're not already a creative living this kind of lifestyle, but you might be considering it, 
then you probably, like all of us, have this weird little voice in, in your head where you're like, well, you know, my, my friend Grant does this, but I don't know if I can do this. You know, I, I'm not really good enough or I don't know how to run a business or I don't know how taxes work or whatever. I'm just going to stick with my little agency job or whatever. But th- those people too, same thing. I want to show them, you know, you're, you know, you are one of many. You can do this too. Look at all these different people, young, old, black, white, etc. And so to kind of loop back to your question, as far as like what they all have in common, really all they need to have in common is that they want to be a creative person that makes an impact in their community and beyond. Mm-hmm. And whether that, you know, whatever they look like, whatever it is that they do, as far as their creativity goes, it doesn't really matter. I just want to show that there's diversity and they can find different people that are just like them that are doing it and they can do it too. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely, man. That's, that's awesome. I, I love the, the push for diversity, which is so, so important, especially in this, in this space. I mean, I, I say especially in this space, I guess, because I feel like we're in this space, so it's most important to me. But I, that's definitely a huge initiative with the death to stock stuff we're doing. And then on top of that, the idea of sort of taking uh, entrepreneurship or creativity off the pedestal and saying like, no, look, it's it's for all of us. Like we can all do this. I think that's uh, important and admirable. And I re- very much enjoyed that as well about death to stock. And I really enjoyed cool. Um, our collaboration there too because I know that you guys are, are coming from that same point of view which I think is very important to kind of forcefully put out there because there are, it, it, we need to shake the tree a little bit on yeah. that point yeah absolutely it, you constantly have to check in on that um, and really push for it man Vinny when I'm you know we're talking about this we're talking about one of many we're talking about sort of following the the crowd or the wave or going against it Certainly, both of them leading to their own varied senses of belonging. Yeah, no doubt. I I can't help but think about uh, fads, things that are popularized, viral, if you will. Phenomenons that become (laughs) communities by nature of their sheer popularity. (sighs) No doubt. And so... We've tipped our hand again. Oh, we've exposed it yet one more time. (laughs) Our Uh, classic ruse for the guest, our off-topic topic, topic, a topic that is not particularly germane Germane to to the discussion at hand. Zika? Uh, Is it Zika? It's Zika! (laughs) No, it's bad. It's bad, Wesley. We already said it. Uh, Wesley, uh, yeah, that Zika you... fad that's been Zika is a fad. <laughs> Zika is a fad. I'll quote you on that one. About B one, courtesy of the Rio de Janeiro Olympic Committee. That said, Wesley, are you currently partaking in any fads? Ooh, good question. Um, the bearded white man. Yeah, fad. definitely, it's bearded white man with glasses. Um, but I would like for you to know that. I had a beard before most people. Just, just so you guys know, before it was hip. Is but that a hold on? Before most that. people, I feel like beards I'm, have been I'm around for a while. Jesus, Jesus was first. Jesus was first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> give it up, give it up him for that. Shouts out to JC. JC was first. You know, he had that hipster look down real early. Yeah. I'm just saying. You were second. <laughs> no, no, no. Moses was second. In the beginning, I'm a lot Jesus, older than I was. There was Wesley. Damn, is that no wonder you sound so wise when you're speaking, and I just trust you. And I think, wh- how can I worship you? <laughs> well, let's not do that. Okay, 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 um, okay, okay, okay. But as far as fads go, I mean, I can't. I, I'm sure. I'm sure I participate in some fads. I just can't think of any off the top well, of my head. Does fad I imply like that it ends? Kill? You like to eat kale, did you say? Yeah, I love eating kale. It's very hip. <laughs> it's super hip. It is. That's pretty in right now. Kale is the hot veggie it's of 2015, hot. and it's rolled right into 2016. Uh, how, what about in the electronic digital world, Wesley? Do you, you know, are you in on any hot new apps? You mentioned Instagram stories earlier. Instagram is a little too, probably a little too big to be a fad. It's kind of more like a an entire platform in unto itself. But yeah. the one that springs to my mind is the now very widely talked about Pokemon Go. Are you right. a, a partitioner in that? 
I am not, and, and that is not because I don't like it. It's because I am a pretty compulsive person, mm-hmm. and uh, if I would install Pokemon Go, I would literally forfeit all work, eating, sleeping until I <laughs> until yeah. I collect them all because I am I have mild OCD, yeah, no and doubt. so I would just be collect. I would just be all over the place collecting them all. I had a brief. Uh, experience with it when my friend Victoria, she she likes to play it, and we were hanging out, and she caught a few Pokemon, if that's the phrasing, uh, and she let me catch a few too, and I was like, oh oh yeah, no, this is dangerous. We cannot download this app. There are chemicals uh, being released in my brain. Yeah, oh yeah, I <laughs> that are. I, I'm I the could, same I way, man. I can just feel it. I can just. I'm the feel same it. way. I, I have to avoid that stuff. I just can't do it because I'll get too into it. I don't have game. any games on my phone because of that. I used to have the, that game Dots, which was very popular, or it might still be popular, and it's very fun. But I, I, I just there was only thing I could do all day, so I had to get rid of it. So <laughs> that's the, a man who's honest with himself. Apps. I respect that. Oh yeah, I'm constantly reevaluating. I have very few apps on my phone, and I, I'm just kind of looking at it right now. There is nothing on here that would be considered very new and hip, except for one. And it's so new that you haven't even heard of it because it's in private beta. Um, That's because it's my friend's app and it's really fun. It's called Universe and it is a multimedia. I don't even know how to describe it yet. You can share these really cool amalgamations of video, audio, picture, text, everything in one kind of grid. And it's really fun. And they just uh, asked me to try it out for them. And so that's what I'm doing right now. That's the only hip app that I have on here. That but- marks the third 10,000 hour scoop of the wow. evening. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Wesley, we need to have you on more often. Oh, this I is going to be huge for our numbers. Here. Ugh, unbelievable. Vinny, uh, what about you? I, I read your article, which was Pokemon Go based. Were, are yeah, you yeah. It are was you it, it was a, a commentary kind of on the popularity of Pokemon Go and why it's kind of maligned by Gen Xers and Baby Boomers, but totally understandable and almost expected by the millennials, to put it in scare quotes. Um, scare quotes. I, I love Pokemon Go. I actually don't play it all that often. Uh, just because I have such fond, anchored memories of the original series, and it's kind of not exactly like that. You don't get the you don't get the, really the interactive mechanical fighting that you would in the original. So it just it's not really appealing to me on a mechanical level, but it is super appealing to me on a meta level, a sociological level, to see what an outrageously obvious impact it's had on people of my age it's been astounding to watch and to be a part of it coming in on the ground floor and just hearing it i was in seattle uh the week that it launched and we heard like uber drivers and waitresses just come up to us and like ask us about it like are you guys playing this do i need to download it and we're like we don't know should we be downloading it yeah uh, and FOMO. so we all did we it's all downloaded a virus that's been going around did you guys <laughs> see the uh did you guys see the story of the mother of the autistic child no, I'm not familiar. That was really cool. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with Asperger's or autism, oh, yeah. but oh, yeah. um, one of the things about it is that uh, the the child can be very withdrawn and not really interact uh, much with other people, especially not other kids. And so this mother posted this pretty touching story on her Facebook saying that this was the best thing that ever happened to her because the kid is super into it and he wants to actually go outside which he he doesn't usually and he actually like other kids just walk up to him and start talking to him uh, because they see that they're both playing it and he talks back to them and he's excited to show them like which creatures that he's caught and all that kind of stuff so it's like a huge game changer for this mother and her child because usually he would be at home withdrawn by himself doing whatever he's doing and now he's out and about and he's like asking can we go outside to play the game and amazing that's pretty cool see and, and, then- and herein lies the reason why i am actually inspired by the pokemon go movement instead of depressed by it because at its core all these social media phenomenons are about the same thing and they're about like building a community for almost no reason and getting people to interact with each other and spreading the love and the connectivity and this is like that's such a just a sweet, cute story that kind of epitomizes why these things are cool. 
At least yeah, and, and different people, you know, my friend Victoria, who I mentioned earlier, who plays it, she said that in her neighborhood in Brooklyn, which is a very mixed neighborhood, um, usually people just kind of like walk around by themselves or with their people. And now everyone's reacting or interacting rather together, like old black people, young white people, young black kids, oh, old white people, people that don't usually maybe have too much to talk about or in their minds don't have too much to talk about now are like, oh my God, are you playing this game? This is fun. Let's go over there. And they're like walking around together. So I'm definitely not a hater. I just can't play it myself because I would just yeah. stop stop I, the rest of my life. I'm in the same boat as you, good sir. I do think it's interesting that sort of the double-edged sword and the, the bummer slash awesome part of a lot of the fad stuff and of the new niche world we live in is that like, Things are so fragmented um, in that we anybody who likes something can find that thing or a community for that thing. Uh, but the nature of that separates us in a lot of ways. So then I think when there are things that bring us together, they have even more momentum behind them. You know, I, we've talked about this before, but it's like, you know, there used to be three channels, whatever. But it, it's, uh, it is cool when things can be accessible uh, to a, a broader audience and bring people together because it seems like more and more there are less of that. What you know, whatever the differences may be that prevent that from happening, whether that's age, I, I don't want to say race, I guess, but maybe I don't know, just just differences that that prevent uh, you know that that community. So shouts out. Well, to there's this, there's also this other fad that's happening right now that seems oh, to boy. really be bringing people together. Um, it's called the election. It's very uh, engaging. Oh, out <laughs> what, to a, what a reality TV series this has become. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's true though, right? It's uh, in in some good ways, I guess. It does force force conversation, or at least facilitate conversation. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. it's it, it's definitely like second most talked about thing after Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah, and as a politophile, <laughs> this is such an exciting time of year for me because. My non-political or typically apolitical friends start to get into it, apolitical. and they get exposed to all the crazy, unique nuances that make American politics particularly interesting and bizarre and Volatile. beautifully flawed. Yeah. yeah, is Pokemon and, Go on the ballot at all? Is there any sort of option there? <laughs> I think it's part of the Green Party. Oh, is that just? Oh, sure. oh God! Yeah, what, sure. A, what a move! What a move! Yeah. Uh, it's like wow. Jill Stein, uh, Pikachu, um, Ash Ketchum. Yeah, yeah. J- Stein Pikachu 2016. Oh, God. I, I think that's got line. It's got legs to me. I mean, that. that listen, that uh, that ballot sounds electric, Vince. Oh, but not nuclear electric, which I, the Green Party is staunchly hope, opposed to. I do hope our editor will have dropped in maybe like a Pikachu sound effect or like a <laughs> You guys already know, right, what, what post the Pikachu would get if they would make it into the uh, cabinet. Don't you dare. Don't you dare say Secretary of Energy. Don't say it. Oh, they would be, they would be head of the NSA. They peek at you. Oh, oh, it's way respect. worse. This version's so much, <laughs> oh. much worse, but it's, it's much better in some ways. An OTT I'm, for the ages. I'm a, I'm a dad joke slash pun uh, athlete, uh, so yeah. that was just a little bit of that. Wow, dude, it, it's good to see uh, a top performer in action. It's it's honestly, it's like the Olympics are coming up, and I know we'll see more of that. But seeing just a peak of that level of competitiveness of of skill is really incredible. So thank you, Wesley, for for sharing that with us. Yeah, no problem. That was a freebie. Okay. Oh, cool. We won't be getting an invoice for that one. <laughs> uh, and and thank you on that note for having the sincerity and, and the generosity to join us for this conversation. It's been a really great one so far. And hopefully we God, can... God, I hope he doesn't fuck it up toward the end here. Oh, I know. <laughs> We've done so good. And it's just like a lot of guests really just blow it when we get into this last part. The last part, of course, Wesley, being we have two questions for you. And we would okay. love for you to answer them in order. Uh, the first one, hopefully, is an easy one, and it is: How can our listeners support you, Wesley Verhoeven? Uh, have you guys heard of Venmo? <laughs> no, just, just kidding. Some Bitcoin? Uh, <laughs> no. Um, well, I mean, to be honest, 
not to be cheesy, but I'd rather hear from your listeners uh, that are creatives in terms of how I can support them. So if they want to be in touch with me over Instagram or Twitter or email and tell me about their community and, and why it's special and, and why I should come there to try to capture it for one of many, then that would be amazing for me. Uh, so my my Instagram and Twitter and everything over there is just Wesley Verhoeven uh, and you can put it in the show notes. And my website is wesley.co and you can find me through there and just let me hear about you. How can I be of service to you? Hell yeah. What an answer. Wesley.co. Congrats on that. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you. Uh, It's a great answer, Wesley. This is really seeming auspicious. I doubt you'll drop the baton so late in the game, but I don't want to jinx you. Wesley, our second question Running toward you. Your hand goes back. If you'd like our <laughs> listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show, what would you want that to be? Um, well, you know, I've listened to a few of your episodes and, and very much enjoyed them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that they've had some friends that have been on the show, so I've been able to discover uh, you guys through that. And it seems like people like me that are listeners of the podcast are creative people and they're interested in, in how can I achieve this and that, whatever it is that they might be working towards, whether it's, I want my side project to take off, or I want to be able to have my own business, all that kind of stuff. And I just want to, I just want to make sure that people know that they are not alone in this quest. They are not the only people trying to do this. They, there are people just like you that have successfully done this, that are not famous. You don't have to read all those magazines of all the famous creatives and how amazing they are and what their breakfast looks like and all that kind of stuff because it doesn't really matter. Look for people just like you all across the country uh, and, and see what kind of impact they are making and know that you can do it too. It's, it's not rocket science. It's just a matter of putting your mind to something and working hard. And some of us are more privileged than others and have more hurdles to jump than others. But please... Go and check out these essays if you're in need of a little bit of inspiration because you'll be able to find all these different kinds of people that. Did I drop the baton? You did not drop the baton. Indeed, you handed it off with acclaim and gusto. And 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 we we were full speed. You hit us right in that sweet spot where we were hitting full speed. You were just about to decelerate. I felt the baton slap into my hand right in stride. Incredible, Wesley. Thank you. Well done. Well, that hyperbole aside, that was a great answer. And it highlights not only the generosity of your work in general, but also the generosity of the one of many project, uh, which as we, to bookend, uh, it's really near and dear to our personal philosophies. So thank you so much for all your words. I guess I haven't said yet that if you want to go check that out, the website for that project is actually just oneofmany.co. We'll probably show notes that too. That'll be in the notes, Wesley. They can find everything there. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And on top of on top of what you were saying there, too, I think even another layer is, you know, there's there's reading and absorbing these stories. But even when you were talking about, you know, your personal website or I think about a lot of the projects I'm working on, it's uh, a lot of it is enabled and powered by different creative people. And uh, I feel very surrounded by that. And I think it's actually not that hard to sort of get into those circles not not like clicks, but if you uh, if you have passion and energy and uh, generosity to give, I think you can really like find those little communities, whether that's in your city or whether that's online or wherever. And I feel like just like putting yourself out there can really snowball into something really really amazing, and and can make you a uh, part of and supporting and capable of a much bigger projects things whatever that might be than yourself which is like i think something i it seems that all all three of us are are working toward and are are really excited about couldn't agree more wow you sound like vince man when he was telling us how how he could not be ready (laughs) more for the episode (laughs) well then i guess what am i I guess okay good because like i feel like i i do i need to like up the game now (laughs) Per- perhaps I couldn't like ship it more. Perhaps I couldn't end the Ooh, show. Oh more. wait! Oh, oh but wait! 
Uh, Wesley, we do have one more thing to ask of you. And since you graciously mentioned that you watched the show before, uh, we appreciate that. Um, (laughs) The live stream version. (laughs) That's right. Uh, We would love for you to give us our customary sign off being ship it. So I just I just say it. <laughs> yeah, it's clearly just he's like everybody else. Oh, yeah. So you just give us your Wesley Verhova shift. Oh, that's uh, that's a tough one. I haven't really. I, I should have really thought about that. Should have practiced have. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is Wesley reporting live from Brooklyn, New York, <laughs> the best city in the world. <laughs> she beat. <laughs> no, okay. That was that was me just like loosening up the ground for you to come yes, stomp on. Maybe. Okay, there's two there's two directions that I'm thinking. Okay, cool. There, yeah. Safe space. E- Let's workshop it. E- okay, okay. There's either um, I could do the like bedside manner calm voice. Uh-huh. Which is which would be sort of like this. I just want everyone to know. You're you're perfect just the way you are. Just ship it. Okay. Oh, that's, that's nice. one version. That was cool. Okay. Thank you. And then there's of course also the um, kind of passive aggressive version, which is maybe more New Yorky. Passive aggressive, okay. Uh, sounds more Western. Uh, well, that is also true. You're right. You're right. I've discovered that as well. Um, <laughs> what a treat. Uh, but, but that maybe with a little bit more um, arsenic overtones uh, could be like, what are you waiting for? Just ship it. <laughs> you know, that, I liked that one a lot. I think you should go with that one for the final. Okay, let's do that one. Uh, maybe I, somewhere in between. I don't know, man. Oh, man. Don't, Here, give, it, give us a third option and we'll really okay. suss it out in post. Um, okay, let's see. What, what's a third option? Uh, pretend you're playing the ukulele and you're smiling. <laughs> and, then you, and then you look at the camera and you give us the, that ship it. Okay. Um, there's a lot of facial expressions that you're going to be missing out there, but I'm doing that's them right fine. now. Yeah. That's, okay. Um, okay. Just imagine kind of a twee little mel- melodic moment on the ukulele. Just ship it. <laughs> <laughs> 